What's up, everybody? It's Athea Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you're having a great day. Um, your day is about to get a little bit better because we are sitting down with a guy named Chandler Rogers. Now, you may not have heard of him. Uh, actually, I hit record on the interview and then I was like, son of a gun, this guy is the youngest person we've ever had on the podcast, I, I think, uh, as far as I can recall. And so Chandler is, is just 25 years young. And he has developed an app that I thought was really cool. This is not like a internet blocker, screen filtering um, kind of app. It's not even really an accountability app, although there's some of that there. Um, but one of the messages that we've really latched onto in this last year has been that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's connection. And so there's lots of ways that you can form connection along the recovery journey. But right at the center of that really is building meaningful community. And so for us, you know, we don't really do anything one-on-one. -on -one. We've just found that the more we can provide in a group environment, the better. And this app that Chandler and his team have developed is basically facilitating community and groups in a digital app-based kind of way. And so I thought it was really cool what they're doing. I'm super excited to, to share this interview with you. And so we, we talked about his story and kind of what even sparked the initial thought or idea to create something like this. And then uh, on the back half, we talk more about the app. So that's a little bit of kind of what you can expect here. And um, I really learned a lot from him, actually. He's got he's got some really cool insights, some some good um, some good observations about the power of community. And really, I would say what it's going to look like to do community well in the years ahead as we become more and more digital, more and more remote and somehow have to sort of combat the loneliness isolation epidemic that is rampant in our society. So uh, you're going to learn a lot, you're going to be inspired, and you're going to get a tool in your hands that really could be quite beneficial for you in your recovery. And so without further ado, here is my interview with Chandler Rogers. So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives, and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. All right. Well, I'm here with Chandler Rogers, and uh, you know what? I think you're actually the youngest guest we've ever had on the podcast, man. No so, way. yeah, wow, what an honor. <laughs> I know that's pretty cool. And we've we've had. I mean, it's not like we just interview like people that are that are way out there in age necessarily. But dude, you're you're doing some incredible things at a pretty young age, and um, it's a real pleasure to have you. So thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks, man. Happy to be here. So you you are in the app space in the context of recovery, and obviously, what you're doing has an application beyond that. We're going to get into all of that, but I think it'd be really helpful helpful for the listeners to just hear a little bit about your story um, and your experience with pornography, um, you know, that's like the ongoing joke in this space is like, nobody dreamt of getting into this space as a kid when they grew up. We all unfortunately <laughs> yeah. had an experience and somehow we landed here. And so I'd love to hear just a, a little bit about, you know, what, what was the journey for you? You're a young guy, you're 25 years old. And I, I think it could actually be pretty refreshing for our audience just to hear about someone your age and what your experience was like, because the truth is like, you know, as great as it is to have the 50-year-old sex addiction therapist who maybe had their own experience as well, um, you know, they were into magazines and VHS and it was just a totally different world. And 
everyone's talking about how like youth are more impacted and all that. But now we get to hear a story from someone who, you know, uh, I don't know if you'd be a digital native, but you'd be closer. Yeah, uh, close, close. You're close. Okay, close. <laughs> so, uh, so tell us a little bit of your story, man. Yeah, no. Yeah. So, I mean, you get, you already exposed my age. So I guess this makes it easy to take the story back. It was almost exactly 10 years ago. So I was yeah. uh, just freshman in high school. So 14, 15 years old. And I guess for context, I grew up in a, a family where I was the oldest of five kids. Our parents raised us uh, very Christian, like God was a huge part of our values in our home and a huge part of like how we lived our life. And I think combined like that with being the oldest, I, I always felt like a a sense of pressure somewhat, like maybe healthy in some senses and unhealthy in other senses, but pressure to be um good and successful in different areas of my life. So like school sports and, and when it came to like following God and and being a good person, like I felt a lot of pressure to make good choices. Mm-hmm. And unlike a lot of people I talked to, our family actually had pretty open discussions about pornography uh, okay. growing up and wasn't like a super foreign subject. Like my parents uh, made it or tried to, you know, make it something that we could approach them about if it ever became something that we'd struggled with. And and just trying to um, destigmatize, I guess, the topic as we were growing up. Um, and like you pointed out, I never, you know, sat there thinking, I want to like get into this space someday to help people <laughs> struggling with this uh, because I didn't want to struggle with it myself. Yeah, and of course. So I think, you know, going through puberty and uh, I, I did get a phone around the time I was coming to high school and social media was starting to become big. So I was on Instagram and things like that where there wasn't necessarily outright pornography, but I, all of a sudden I was exposed to a lot of sexualized content in yeah. a lot of different places. And I think just being that age, like piqued my curiosity naturally. And, um, and I think I just wasn't prepared to deal with kind of the natural like pull that, that came from that. Yeah. Um, so, so before I really knew it, like I, I remember all of a sudden realizing, I think after like initially stumbling upon masturbation and like light pornography, that that was what I was dealing with. And I didn't even realize it the first like time or two that it kind of happened. And I was like, wait a second. I'll, like, this is probably the stuff that I shouldn't be seeking after participating in. Just um, out of curiosity, I, sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but how yeah. did you stumble across the content? Do you remember? I, th- I think it was just like browsing Instagram or YouTube. Like, I think it was literally just fed in kind of the, you know, curated algorithm pages where, you know, it was it was maybe like, sexually suggestive content that then if you, you know, click into more, follow the trail leads to, you know, more and more yeah. uh, closer to the edge. Like I, it wasn't full out pornography viewing like anything crazy at first, yeah. um, which I think is like why it was hard to recognize that I was like starting down that path. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I just want our listeners to hear that because we, we just interviewed Joe Robertson. Um, I think she's, I think her episode is a week prior to this one. And Joe was actually talking about how the porn industry is targeting children from a young age because they just know that if they can get you on a young, you'll be a client for life. And from a business, a for-profit business standpoint, it's like as good as it gets for a model. And you're, what you're telling us is, is kind of case in point. So I just, yeah, I just totally. thought that was curious. That was quite interesting. But yeah, sorry, man. Carry on, carry on with your story. Oh, yeah. That, that's exactly kind of how it happened. And um, I, I think for about a year, uh, like kind of after that initial point, I went through these different cycles of basically trying to white knuckle stop the pattern. Uh, I wouldn't say it had developed into a um, full on addiction. Uh, you know, who knows how it could have been categorized, but I was having trouble stopping. 
And I think I started to panic more and more when I realized that I didn't have full control over my choices. And I think the main implication was that I started to feel a ton of shame when this all kind of clicked in my head around my self-worth and my relationship with God. And like, what are my parents going to say or think if I were to tell them and like, I can't tell them, I just need to like figure this out and get it under control. Yeah. And this went on for like a year or two where um, it almost felt like the harder I tried to just like white knuckle and stop the deeper I got into the problem mm-hmm. and the deeper the issues of shame and secrecy and isolation got as well. Yeah. And so eventually, uh, you know, she must have felt prompted in some way. Um, like she, she, she definitely feels like God played a, a role in this. My mom approached me one day when I was 16 or 17. So later on in high school and she asked me like, you know, Hey, uh, I know we've talked about the topic of pornography before. I just wanted to ask if it's something that you've struggled with at all to date. And and if so, like, you know, I'm here for you and I want you to feel like you can come to me or we can talk about it. And and she kind of opened the conversation like that. And, and I chose to be honest and tell her what had been going on. And at that moment was a big relief. It was kind of scary, of course. Like I I didn't plan on like talking to my parents about it. I think the common story for most people is to go, you know, five, 10 years or plus, you know, yeah. before trying to take a step like disclosure to a family member or, or something like that. Um, but it didn't necessarily turn into like anything different day to day with my recovery. Like it was that one conversation and then it was kind of the same thing after that Yeah, where I wasn't really involving her in my support system or my process of healing. Like there wasn't really a process of healing yet. It was still just kind of this white knuckle shame based, like struggle. Yeah. And, and eventually, why, why did you yeah. feel comfortable to tell her in the first place? It, it might've been that she had, you know, growing up primed the pump, so to speak, with conversations around the topic. And right. I think tried her best to to reassure us that, you know, she would love us no matter what. And, you know, it's okay to not be perfect and make mistakes. It was kind of conflicting because like I think we had conversations where those were words that they had said, but yeah. I still felt a lot of fear and expectation around being perfect, around yeah. like, you know, unrealistically perfect. And, and so I, I think it was maybe also that she did directly ask me about it in a way that wasn't threatening or mm, like in that right. moment, I didn't feel fear. So she made it easy for me to choose to be honest. Like, um, and I think probably it also come to a point over the year or two prior where I realized logically that my strategy for how to break free was not working or like the, the lack thereof of strategy wasn't <laughs> working. And so I think I was already in a good kind of humble place of like, okay, I probably need some help. I don't know what that means or what that looks like yet. But when she asked, I think I was willing to be vulnerable because I had already been feeling stuck. Yep. That makes perfect sense, man. Yeah. Okay. So you're 17, you're still kind of white knuckling it. Um, but it sounds like still like you're very driven to also do something about the issue. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I I wanted to do something, didn't really know what, Um, and, and she had stumbled across like an ad on Facebook for like a local group based program for like, uh, teens and young adults who were dealing with unwanted sexual behavior, um, kind of a clinician led once a week over zoom type of program. And she kind of just passed it along to me and said, Hey, like, just thought, you know, if you want to check this out, she didn't put pressure on me. Like, Hey, you need to do this. She just was like, Hey, check this out. This might be interesting. And, and I did. And I immediately was like, sure, I'll give it a shot. Again, I think I was just in a position where I was like, I do want to like do something with my life. It was probably kind of an unhealthy like train of thinking, but I was like, 
I'm better than this. I need to like get this under control. Like I'm going to leave the house here in the next year or so. Like, I don't want to take this into college and like, you know, into relationships and other things going forward. Yeah. Um, and so I joined this program and I think this was like a, a key point in my story where I realized um, kind of going from being alone and being isolated to having a group of peers, like eight, 10 other people in my group uh, where I felt like, oh gosh, these guys are like kind of normal. And I guess I had this image of only people who are like terrible or like weird or gross struggle with porn issues. And I realized like, no, these are good people too. So maybe, maybe I'm not a terrible person. And I think some of those layers of shame started to like change. And I think my relationship with God started to become a little bit better again at that point too, which helped me make a lot of progress. Like that wasn't the, the end of the story, but I think those were really key principles that I had been missing that really helped. And so that, that was that's, kind of the phase there of, of fi- making a lot of breakthroughs. Yeah. It's, that's a really interesting point you made, which is that when you're alone, it's so easy to start believing those lies and really start binding to the story about how terrible we are and how hopeless we are. And there must be something wrong with us and nobody would want to be friends with us. And just the existence in a community of other people who are there for the same reason, just seeing that like, oh, these are normal dudes as well. If I saw them walking down the street, I wouldn't think anything of it. And so yeah, it's like if, I'm friends with these people, like, right. Yeah. So if they're, if they're like normal looking people, then maybe I'm actually not as weird as I think I like, yeah. that's, that's yeah. actually a pretty cool perspective. Right. I think it helped like uncover some of the lies that just, you know, don't make sense when, when we're stuck in, in cycles of addiction and, and really start to discern what's a lie and what's truth and like how to incorporate more truth into my mindset to help, help heal and help yeah. shut off some of those misconceptions. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. So what were you guys doing in that group? Like, was there a curriculum? Were you reading a book or was it more, you know, it depended on the week and the clinician just had different things he'd ask you guys about or what, what did it look like? Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, so it was a, like the guy who started the program was someone who like went to our church, not like our specific church location, but the denomination that we were part of. Mm-hmm. And so there was like a book that like kind of like everyone read to get started. A lot of it like basically covered um, the the most fundamental principles of like the neuroscience of addiction that probably is covered more or less the same in a bunch of different books. Sure. Uh, so like for the first time I'm learning actually about like what the frontal lobe is, what my limbic system is and like how, how that's happening. Like what's actually happening when I'm like participating in this behavior that's against my value system and why do I do it? Oh, it's not because I'm a terrible person or like I'm just weak <laughs> or stupid. Like there's actually some biology going on here. Um, yeah. and then, you know, we, we, in these meetings, like discuss those different things. And I think the clinician that I had at that time really just pushed us to, to focus on, you know, stop, stop focusing so much on getting rid of your like porn problem and start focusing on how to develop healthy behaviors and ways of managing stressors and triggers in your other areas of life. Uh, yeah. Realizing that porn is really a crutch. It's not the problem itself. There's underlying needs that we need to figure out what those are for me and, and how to address them. So I think it was starting to work through some of those things together. Yeah, that's really good, man. Really good. So um, how how long ago was that, Len? How long did that group last? So that was like my senior year of high school-ish. And then when I left the house, I, I kind of stopped going to that um, to that program. But okay. I had kind of gotten to the point, I think I was like six months clean um, I decided to go serve like a two-year full-time mission for our church organization in New York City. 
Wow. And uh, this was a part of my story that was actually really tough for me because I think a big motivator of getting clean was like for God and, and for, you know, who I wanted to be in that sense. Yep. And while I was out there uh, serving my mission in New York, I started struggling again and it really, I guess, caught me off guard. And some of the same like thought patterns that were hurting me before and keeping me stuck started coming back. Like I'm a terrible person. You know, you're trying to be out here representing God or helping other people find God and get closer to him. How could you be struggling? You know, the hypocrisy, like all of those things just started like really uh, echoing inside my head and made the problem worse. Um, and, and I was, I chose to be open with the the leaders that I was working with out there, um, that were a part of the ministry we were, we were working with and, um, and they were really loving and accepting. And, and again, like learning these same principles of like, I'm not a bad person. God loves me. Like, I, and I'm not going to be able to make progress if like, these are like the thoughts I keep like letting echo in my mind. Yeah. Um, so anyways, like that was kind of one chapter. I, I come back and I start college and I actually choose to enroll back in that same program from high school, but just here kind of locally in Utah where I where I went to school for college. And it was my first time actually doing an in-person group at that time. And I think I realized like the thing that I had missed from back in high school was having the group to stay in contact with for accountability um, to, to help each other in like a shame-free type of way. Yeah. And so, and this kind of segues into like, why the heck I'm working on an app right now for this, but really like that, that part of my experience was realizing like we would come to group on Thursday nights and someone would say something about how they slipped up on Tuesday and we would be like, well, you know, Hey man, why didn't you reach out? And, <laughs> um, or, or like, Hey, you haven't been doing, you know, these various aspects of the program that we were kind of holding each other accountable for. We waited a whole week just to find out that, you know, half of us hadn't been doing anything. And we would try to create these systems over group chat and and group me and WhatsApp and stuff to hold each other accountable and to stay connected so that we weren't just like coming together once a week and then struggling alone six days a week. And like everything we tried kind of worked a little bit and then would kind of fizzle. Yeah. And and that's really where I started thinking a lot about, you know, what if there was a a technology-based tool like an app that made it easier for groups to work together effectively, to not struggle alone, to help each other be successful. I'd seen things like, you know, screen accountability that was all about like someone monitoring your internet usage, but my my gut feeling was always like accountability and connection needs to go so much deeper than just like my search history and it needs right. to be around my, my healing goals and, and plans and actions that I'm taking there. Yeah. And so that was kind of like, that was ultimately what led then during my college experience to, to working on relay to try to build exactly that. That's so cool, man. So in college, were you studying software development or something along those lines? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. I took some computer science classes and I actually ended up working at a startup for a couple of years in the moving industry. So totally different, not related but that's sure. where I got my first experience working with software developers and designers and figuring out how do we build a piece of technology that helps accomplish a goal for some group of people and, and really thinking about the business components and the software engineering components of like, how do you build something really beautiful and awesome to use that people will love? And then, so I had that background, but I realized I didn't love like the moving industry. It wasn't that interesting <laughs> to me, even though I moved a lot growing up actually. So it was oh, kind of but I just cared deeply in my heart about, you know, recovery. It was so personal to me. And I just 
continue to see patterns in myself of things that I was still learning. Like I hadn't kicked this behind me for multiple years when I was starting to work on relay. Like I was still kind of in the thick of it, but had learned these lessons in different ways multiple times. And it been really open with a lot of people too. Um, starting in kind of my college years where I started to see patterns in other people's stories and piecing yeah. this all together with my passion for, for software and, and thinking through what would this look like in an app? Yeah, that's really cool. I, I definitely echo your, your gut instinct about the screen protection software or, or that sort of thing. Um, I've taken a lot of issue with it and I'm, I'm good friends with like Ron DeHaas, who's the CEO and founder of Covenant Eyes. So it's not like, it's not in a bashful yeah. way by any means. Um, <laughs> right. but you know, I, I see the value of getting more to the underlying causes and I do see the value of community is why I, I love what you guys are doing. And I think, um, a lot of people are going to hear like, oh, an app that helps you quit porn or whatever. And they're going to think of that. They're going to think of the screen blocker. They're going to think of maybe brain buddy or something like that. Um, I'd love for you to just talk a little bit more about what is Relay um, and what, like, you've kind of given us an understanding of, like, what brought you to create it, but what is Relay? Like, what exactly are you trying to accomplish with the app? Yeah, so so there's kind of two lenses. One is, like, I don't have a group right now. I'm not working with a therapist or a coach or any sort of program. Um, if you're in that boat, what Relay does, is it makes it easy with a little like survey questionnaire. We're able to match you with a group of six, seven, eight other people who are in the same boat and you can stay anonymous and protect your privacy where it feels like a little bit easier of a step than jumping straight into like a, a Zoom type group or an in-person group, which can be scary for a lot of people. And, and instead yeah. it's kind of asynchronous. So it's chat based. Um, and it's all kind of centered around the group. So we noticed like a lot of other apps and, and programs do a really great job at curating a bunch of content and curriculum. And today our app actually doesn't really have any of that. And so we're, we're really focused on giving people a system. So once you're in that group, we do provide some different, um, like tools and tips to help those groups work together in a meaningful way to have meaningful discussions that peel back some of those layers of shame or share ideas on a peer level about what's worked and what hasn't uh, and to discuss like different kind of tidbits like that together. We, we do provide a few different tools uh, that make it easy to identify uh, your stressors and triggers. So to have a cool. way on my app to check in for how I'm feeling, I notice that I'm feeling tired. It's the end of the day. Uh, work was stressful. Maybe I didn't realize that I'm able to pinpoint that early before it leads to um, a relapse potentially later on and helps me start to identify patterns um, which, you know, other apps have different tracking components. And so there's similar aspects in that way in Relay. Um, but the thing that we're trying to do a little bit different is it's in this shared group environment. So like if I add a journal entry, there's still privacy, like you can't read every word I'm writing, but you can come in and see, oh, Chandler checked in this morning and he was feeling stressed and anxious. Oh, I'm going to reach out and see how he's doing. So it takes, it, it takes away some of like the uh, I'm alone doing my own thing six days of the week, or if I don't have a group, like just 24 seven. And I, I have a little bit of a shared environment for my group to like be there for each other. That's really the cool. Most, the most popular feature is by far the red flag. People would say that it makes it easy to, instead of picking up the phone, it feels like 500 pounds to call someone. Even if you have someone you can call yeah. um, one tap of a button kind of sends a notification to your group and lets them know that you're feeling off or triggered. And so they can just easily jump in and start a conversation there. I love that. Um, is, is the group led by someone? So it, in most of our groups, no. And I was, I, 
going to explain kind of for people that have a program already where they're working with a coach or something. Oh, yeah. Sure. It works Sorry. a little bit differently. No, yeah, yeah. But more or less, we've tried to create an environment that is all about the peer-based experience because essentially we're not trying to replace the role of a therapist or a group-led program by a coach or a clinician. We sure. really just want to replace the you know, well, I have five other guys who I've opened up to, whether they're just friends or I met them through some program, instead of texting each other on a group chat, how could we provide a tool that's a hundred times more effective for that same group of peers to help each other be successful at their healing journey 24 seven. And so that's why like, we don't have a super structured, like we're not planting a random facilitator that doesn't know you, like we're just making it so that you and your peers can work together. Um, okay. But if I do have a program or a group already, we we have about half the people using the app today um, of the 1500 people on it are in a program led by a clinician or they're working with a coach one on one. And we can set up a private group where it's not going to match you with someone random. My group that meets on Thursday nights can use Relay to enhance the the program that we're already doing. So because we don't have a lot of curriculum in the app, Relay is also meant to kind of pair with a solution that that someone may already be doing and to level up the connection and the accountability experience. I love that. Well, and I, I know like in our program, it's very typical that you have, we have a guy sign up for it. He sees what we're doing. He gets excited about it. And then he goes and tells his buddy and his right. buddy signs up. Yeah. And so I can see how there'd be awesome pairings as well. where right. like, you could have the group experience with a curriculum or a counselor or a group, but then you could also have that on the app so that it's not fully anonymous because actually you know someone else in the group and right. there's a deeper level of connection. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so give me an idea of like, let's, what's like the prototypical user experience. So like I, I join, let's say I'm, I'm way too scared to like actually put my face out there. So I'm anonymous. I fill out a questionnaire. I get put into a group and then is it kind of like the group is meeting once a week um, and then Ideally, obviously, between those meetings, then there's interaction going on. Is it is it group chat? I realize I can send the red flag at any point. I'm getting notifications about the check-in. Um, what's the actual group interaction like between the calls? I think that that's what my actual question is. In yeah. addition to anything else you want to add? Yeah, so it's kind of a, a mixture between like kind of more open form group chat that can really be whatever we, we want it to be or what it needs to be, as well as a little bit of guided or semi-facilitated uh, conversation by the app itself. So for example, okay. we might prompt you, uh, if we see you come in the app to choose a conversation prompt uh, for the group to discuss for the next day or two in the chat-based environment. So it, it may have you select from a list of like 10 different prompts or you could write your own that are meant to be a little bit more meaty or meaningful that then creates like a thread in the group chat that mm. gives people like some substance to like look at and discuss together around a particular question or topic. Okay. And so that's kind of the structured element of it. We're actually working on um, creating a little bit more of like a roadmap of like how to help groups develop the type of connection and accountability, like outside of those type of prompts where, you know, maybe week one, I come into the group, we want to make it easier for people to like build a baseline level of friendship. So like good groups don't just only talk about their porn problems. There's some level of, I can stay anonymous or, or maintain my privacy, but I still want to understand your life a little bit or who you are, who these people are I'm, I'm interacting with so that we can care about each other. Let's make it easier for people to have that kind of get to know you experience in a way that still feels safe and private, 
but actually creates more real connection than just going to a random Facebook group or Reddit thread where it's super anonymous and you don't know or care about anyone. Yeah. So we're kind of working on those pieces still and, and talking to people who are using our app to figure out, you know, how do we make those types of tweaks and improvements? So we're, we're excited about what's coming there. So that's kind of the core group experience. And then I mentioned the daily pulse checks or those like mood check-ins that help me identify my stressors and triggers. So that's kind of a regular thing. Well, I'll, I'll come in and it's meant to help develop the emotional awareness as well as give them some skills to manage and regulate those stressors and triggers. Um, we talked about the red flag of being able to, to use that kind of really anytime as needed. The other component is really around my uh, specific accountability plan. So we have a way that people can set custom goals beyond just tracking your sobriety days. Um, let's say that I am working as a part of a program right now on um, like a journaling component, like 15 minutes a day of kind of working through various questions that are like outside of the Relay app. I can track in the Relay app, am I doing my journaling 15 minutes a day? Maybe exercise is also something that I know kind of helps me stay in a healthier zone to manage myself better. I right. can track those type of things um, that are personalized to me and kind of still have the group accountability component where I'm working on specific things that are key to my underlying healing. Um, and I'm tracking those. And again, relay, relay kind of helping provide the, the easy technology place to do that and house that in the group environment with some basic stats and insights and patterns that over time should help make that even more useful. That's so cool. No, I love that. Uh, I'm curious about I guess who this would be for, like I can imagine people would hear this and be like, oh yeah, if you're like a youth and you love technology and that's how you're used to connecting with people, it'd be so great. But I think I saw on your website that actually if they're under 18, they're not really eligible for what you yeah. guys are doing currently, right? Correct. Yeah. And and that's mostly just for the complexity and regulation around serving minors in this type oh, for of, sure. a, of a thing. But but yeah, we're, we're actually like really targeting people probably be between like 18 to honestly, any age, like there's no real upper limit, but the people yeah. who probably love our app the most that find it to be really natural, probably between 20 to 40, uh, yeah. to be honest. And so a lot that of the people sense. who use our app aren't like, you know, big social media people that love like, you know, always being online, like talking to people on Reddit or whatever, like people who, who do just want human connection, which is usually all of us. And we're trying to make it to where, you know, it's, it's a 2023 tool. Like we are adopting the pros of technology, but trying to make it accessible for, for people, especially those of us that have dealt with addiction or compulsive behavior where isolation has been the norm. Um, it's maybe not as much about me being a technology native. It's more about like, I'm used to isolation. So any of it's tough. We're trying yeah. to make it easier for, for the audience that I think this is really relevant to, which is people who have struggled with isolation for a long time. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. And another question about the the logistics of it. So uh, do you guys like what what are the kind of qualities that you're looking for in that survey to to put somebody into a group? Like what are some of the unifying yeah. elements? And I guess I'm especially curious about gender, uh, like guys and girls, are they separate? Are these groups mixed? Um, and that, that's the one I'm the most curious about, but obviously I, I'd like to know about the other criteria too. Yeah. It's, it's no, it's not a crazy algorithm or anything. So I was going to say gender's like the main thing they are separated. Yeah. Um, makes sense. We actually do have quite a few female groups on the app and it's been Good. interesting because I think females often feel even more isolated with this type of issue. I feel like it's yes. only talked about as a male problem. 
So it's been really cool to have some of our early female users like just absolutely raved about like this is like, you know, the breakthrough that they have never been able to find. Um, but yeah, so gender as well as like, am I religious or, you know, believe in God? Do I want to be with other people who are spiritually minded or faith based? Um, trying to be inclusive of people who want that and don't uh, as well. So about 70% of our groups are faith-based groups and and not like nothing in the app is like um, promoting or again, like no content about a specific like denomination or something. It's just like, I know sure. I'm with other people who also, you know, believe God's a part of this journey too. Yep. Uh, so that gender and then age is the other thing. And depending on like how many groups we have open, we may be a little bit more um, like open ranged about this versus like narrowly ranged. So if we have a lot of people signing up, it might be more specific versus like, really, we just want to help people find that group as fast as possible. So if it takes like four months to find the perfect criteria, like age is one of those that we're the, the more, more flexible on where we found that sometimes having a diverse, a diverse range is better, but if possible, oh, yeah. you know, putting guys who are married or a little older together might be, you know, preferable type of thing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, cool. So, okay, you mentioned the the neuroscience, and I'm so glad you did, because I guess I'm curious about the interplay here between like app usage, device usage, and the brain. Uh, like one of the things we do in our program is pretty early on, we have guys like offload tons of apps on their phone. We're not against phone usage. We're kind of against social media usage while they do the program, just because it's like so stimulating and yeah. it's kind of a gateway drug, right? But uh, the reason yep. we have them offload apps um, is because we don't want people to become too glued to their device, right? Because that's the environment where they're prone to relapse and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So um, I think I think this would be a pretty a pretty soft objection to what you're doing. But I'm going to lob it at you anyways, and just I'm curious to see what you yeah. say. But what what would you say to someone who is like, "Hey, this is great, but like I actually watch porn on my device, yeah. and I want to get away from it. So why would I put an app on there that keeps me coming back to my phone?" Yeah, totally. Well, I, I personally am also very pro like stripping back on on apps that are potential gateway, you know, danger zones or just in general distractions or things that put us in that in that place. Um, so so, yeah, this is something I've thought a lot about. And and personally, like, yeah, I deleted social media a long time ago and I try to not be on my phone hardly ever. So it wasn't like I just love spending time on apps and that's why I wanted to like, do it. <laughs> Um, as I've thought a lot about this, like, uh, I think one thought that's come to my mind is that phone isn't the root of the issue, which I think you kind of just acknowledged, like, even though we may access pornography through, through our phones, I think it's really important that we don't associate the, all of the negative feelings and, and things that have come from the issues that we've had with porn to a device itself. Like, I think our, our technology in our lives, if we can master it can be a really powerful uh, agent for good. And, yeah. and I think almost any career nowadays and over the next 50 years, I think it'll be important to learn how to be um, a healthy user of technology. And I think even people who don't struggle with porn, most people are not healthy users of technology. So much <laughs> consumption of video games and mindless entertainment on social media platforms. And I think people who are the most successful just generally in life over the next 50 years are going to need to master their use of their devices. And so I think, you know, is it beneficial potentially or necessary for some people to have a reset period where it's not used at all or extremely minimally? I think it depends on the person, but probably makes a lot of sense in a lot of cases. 
but I think over time, I think there really is something potentially healing and even like really positive about forming a healthy relationship again with your device to uh, either further your healing or just bring into your life some of these elements of personal growth, like learning to manage your, your stressors or setting these other goals that will help you avoid pornography because you're a more healthy and balanced uh, person that I think um, is a, is an interesting pro when you, when you think about, you know, relay being on someone's device and choosing to use that as a part of their healing. Um, Again, I think like it depends on the person, but most people that are using relay, it's, you know, five to 10 minutes a day. It's not like go on your, go on relay for like hours. Like there's not really that much stuff to do probably for hours a day. Sure. Uh, But, and so, you know, of course I'm an advocate of like, use all the tools at your disposal for healing, but I think be smart and know like, can you do that in a way that can help help break maybe the negative association of the phone itself and use it for good five minutes a day while not creating an extra temptation to like, you know, use a bunch of apps that might put you in a danger zone. So yeah, I don't know, kind of a a nuanced answer, but that's how I I I totally agree. I mean, the, the reality is there's very, there's very little environmentally you can control about about an issue with porn. You can't tear down the porn industry. The internet's not going anywhere and like phones aren't going anywhere either. Yeah. So yeah. if something is inevitable, then rather than trying to destroy it, you just have to change your relationship to it. And I think that's what this that's what this app presents is a is a neat, neat opportunity for people in recovery to actually change their relationship with technology in a in a positive way. And um and I love that. And I think I think for someone to like social media is kind of like the counterfeit of this, isn't it? Because it's kind of like the pseudo connection, but it's not really yeah. connection, right? And you're sort of providing yeah. an alternative that actually is a much deeper level of connection. And, and maybe it's not a substitute for in-person or that face-to-face right. Zoom call necessarily, but it certainly is a step up from anything you could get in a social media context, which is very diluted, very superficial, very confusing, even just on a neurobiological level, because it, yeah. it kind of feels yeah. like connection, but it's not. And, uh, and I, I love that, man. I think that's, that's a really cool aspect of this. No. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. So for people who maybe want to find out more about this, they want to give it a shot. Uh, what would be their, their best place to find out some more information about it? Yeah. Yeah. So they can check out our website, joinrelay.app. Um, we're also on the app store app store and on the Google play store for uh, iOS and Android um, which you could read, you know, what people have said about it on reviews and, and just download it and you'll be able to try it out for a week free trial. Um, for a long time, we kept the app free and then probably like most, uh, other resources in the recovery space, we realized that when people don't have skin in the game, it doesn't work well. Yes. And so we, we try to still, you know, keep it very affordable, of course, but the app does cost money because the quality of groups is 10 times better. And I can say that cause we've tested it. Oh yeah. I believe that <laughs> and people, people hated it when it was free just cause it wasn't as good, but yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you can try it out for, for a week free if you just download the app and, and see for yourself. Um, it's probably the best way to, to see it. But if you have a group already, like if you're a part of um, a program or something, there's also a way like when you're signing up to indicate that you don't want to be matched with a random group and we can help set up like a private group um, so that you and your, your friends or group that you work with can try it out and see if it's something that helps enhance your, your experience. Oh, that's amazing, man. That's amazing. So one last question. We'll, by the way, we'll put links in the show notes to everything and we'll make sure people can, um, can get quick access to the app. Cause I think, I think it's an amazing tool you guys are creating. Give, give me a little bit of like the vision. Uh, you guys are young. Um, like I said, I, I love like, and it's, it's not just, I mean, you're obviously representing the, 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 the brand and the app. 
but there's a team of you guys that are working on this, which I think is really cool. Um, and you guys are young, you guys are hustling. I just think it's amazing. But I'm curious, like, where do you envision this going 10, 15, 20 years from now? How, how do you see Relay playing into the landscape of recovery a little bit further down the road? Yeah. Well, well, ultimately, like this started very much on a spiritual level for me when I felt nudged, like this is something I need to work on. And and so as I think about the vision for Relay, one thing I believe on a spiritual level is that God didn't place us on this earth to go through life alone. Um, he, he wants us to turn to him and turn to Christ, of course, but I think he also wants us to learn how to use each other, to help mm. each other through the most difficult aspects of life. I think pornography is just one of those hard aspects of life. I think there's many other um, things that when it comes to our growth in in life and who God wants us to become as people, um, I, I think there's so much opportunity for a platform that helps people stop struggling alone and help come together and, and benefit each other in that journey that we're all walking of, of trying to become a little better every day. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's kind of like at its root, what I hope for Relay and what I see over the next 10 to 20 years is, you know, it's, it's not just uh, pornography addiction. We, you know, hopefully are able to provide this experience that can use technology for good to help bring people together to experience real connection and real shame-free accountability in whatever thing that you're working through to band together with people that you care about and people you didn't even know to, to help you progress towards that person that you want to be. And, and that's ultimately what, what we're trying to build. That's amazing. Well, I think it's absolutely incredible what you're doing, man. You got a, a cheerleader here in me and, uh, and the thanks, whole team. Man. And thanks, thanks again for your time today. We'll put a link in the show notes to everything so people can, uh, can find out more about the app. And in the meantime, just keep up the great work, man. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for all you do as well. All right. Well, there you have it. That is my man Chandler and really impressed by that guy, 25 years young. And I can't believe how much he has accomplished already and the kind of change and difference he's making in the world. Really respect him. Uh, look, the, the link is in the show notes. And what I would love for all of you guys to do, if you're like, oh, I don't know, you know, maybe you're on the fence, just go take a look at the at the page. Um, I there's this isn't like an affiliate arrangement. I'm not making any money off of this, uh, but I really just believe in like in having good tools and good resources that are going to help you succeed in your recovery journeys and in your attempts to become the man God made you to be. And if you know that maybe beyond an app, uh, maybe beyond just something uh, as kind of a digital solution, you actually really need a system. You need a process. You need some coaching and some guidance to not just, you know, quit porn, quote unquote, and be sober, but to really get to the roots of the issue and kick this thing to the curb once and for all. I want to just encourage you to book a team with our time, uh, book a team with our time, book a time with our team. We set aside slots every single week to speak with listeners of the podcast. And I just think you could get so much value from having a conversation with someone to see if what we have is good for you. And if we decide that, hey, you know what, this isn't going to be the right fit or whatever, we get tons of feedback just about the calls, that they're very professional, that people really feel safe having them. And that they actually learn a lot more about their situation just from the questions we ask. I've spent um, like the better part of four years refining uh, the questions that we ask to really make sure that we don't waste your time and that you get value out of the call regardless of whether or not you're able to participate in Deep Clean and what we're doing here. So link is in the show notes. I would love to speak with you there. But in the meantime, guys, much love. Have an amazing day. And we'll talk very soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey everybody, it's Thea again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. 
I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.